Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. We've had the times where we had a coupon code that we didn't protect that we got coupon stacked and someone, you know, ripped off our inventory right as we were getting on like a cruise ship for a mastermind. We're calling up Amazon, trying to cancel all of these orders. It's just you have those moments where you have to drop everything. It's gut wrenching. But if you can get through those moments, Chelsea Cohen, welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. You have been selling on Amazon for almost 10 years. You're an expert copywriter and you solve all inventory concerns with your company, So Stocked. We have so much to talk about today. Thank you for joining and sharing your selling secrets with all of us. Of course. Thanks for having me. So you're a natural at copywriting and that plays into Amazon listings. This is one of your many talents and passions, and you were able to apply this to your own Amazon business, writing your listings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's funny when you, you know, start out in Amazon, there are certain skills that you have. I've seen this with other people, too, where you're doing something and you don't realize that it's very different than what everyone else is doing until you start talking to people and they start, you know, going, you're doing what? Let me try that on mine. So that was kind of how that whole thing started. Isn't that funny? You're like, um, I don't know. I was just writing my listing and now it's converting and you share your secrets and it's like, oh, mm -hmm. wait, that's a unique approach. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I'm sure you do. You know, Travis Ziegler? Yeah, he lived in Austin, too. I mean, they just yeah. moved to like Ohio. But Jenny, his uh -huh. wife, Jenny, has been on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, he was the one who actually invited me. He told me to go up on stage the first time uh, for one of these hacks. He said, well, you're going to go up on stage for, for your thing, right? So what are you talking about? It's like <laughs> the copywriting, you know, the copywriting tip you gave me made us a ton of money. You should go share about that. And that was the first time that I thought that I should go, you know, speak on stage about it. Oh, well, let's dig into a hack then. What's a good hack right now for 2023? Yeah, so it's interesting because the hacks that I shared then are still relevant now. I mean, copywriting, good copywriting is somewhat timeless, you know, people True. are people. Um, so the, the, the biggest approach that I take that is, I think the most successful is just the understanding that Amazon is, uh, different than other platforms and that it's a comparative buying platform. So people come with the intent, but the, the, the biggest problem they're trying to solve beyond just, you know, what the, the, the product is trying to, to solve for them is the first question they have is which one do I buy? And so the first few words of your first bullet point should be addressing the question of why should I buy you over your competitors? So we should always be using comparative language in the first few words of our first bullet point. That's great. Give me an example. What's a good comparative mm -hmm. language? Sure. Um, so uh, like with my first product, we said, unlike other products, you know, keyword, insert keyword, unlike other products that bend, break and rust, our, our product has a unique composite design that is built in such a way that, and so we looked at negative reviews, we saw that there were complaints about bending, breaking and rusting. And out of the gate, we said, unlike, or, you know, you want to avoid products that 
now you can't really, you know, you could never say anything about the products directly, but you used to be able to say, unlike these products or unlike products like this, now you have to say, you know, you want to avoid this or you don't want the experience of, but you're still comparing. You can get around Amazon's uh, restrictions in creative ways. Yes, I love that. Take the pain points uh, that you already know because you created your mm -hmm. product and you read them in the reviews and turn that into yeah. your marketing and your bullet points. So smart. I feel like we could just end the podcast right there. Lots of value <laughs> in the first couple minutes. Um, let's stick on the topic of, of copywriting mm -hmm. for just a little bit. So um, I have so many questions, but one of the questions I get as a coach a mm -hmm. lot, either people come to me because their sales aren't there. And mm -hmm. the first thing I say to them, well, if you have the traffic, then it is a conversion issue. And mm -hmm. yeah. so I'm kind of coming to you with the same question. So it's like, if somebody has the traffic, what do they do if, if it's not converting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, I mean, we'll, we'll take reviews off the table. If they have bad reviews or no reviews, that's, you know, one of the, the main issues, but taking that off the table, it's that, you're not saying something, you're not telling a story that hits on what uh, the, the problem that is trying to be solved. A lot of people neglect copywriting, which I have always found very interesting because it's the oldest and most effective form of sales. And yet, you know, I've, I've always been frustrated by hearing people on stage say nobody reads bullet points. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have experiences where they change their bullet points and they have, you know, they change their copy and they have a lot of uh, lift. And it's not because copywriting doesn't work or no one reads bullet points. It's because most people don't know how to write for Amazon. So the objective is to see how can we get people to actually read our bullet points? Because it is harder to get people to read bullet points than look at pictures. Um, but you take these techniques of one, how do I get people to read my bullet points and how do I get them to, how do I say something that actually, they actually want to hear that doesn't sound like every other listing? Because if you sound like every other listing, no one's going to read your bullet points. You know, that is so, a good point. And I can drop some tips on that. <laughs> yeah. Give us some tips. Um, sure. And yeah, give us tips on that. And then I'm going to ask you a question about AI. Awesome. Sure. Um, so with regards to that, I would say, you know, like we said, start with comparative language and we call that the hook, right? That leads people into wanting to read more. If you're saying something, uh, a lot of people do what I call subheadings where they have, here's what the bullet, this bullet point is about. And then they do a colon or a dash that immediately in the mind of the reader says, okay, I know what this one's going to be about. I don't need to read it. So everyone's using these subheadings that are creating this, this impulse to not need to read more than just the subheading. So that's first and foremost, you should be writing in bold and then the bold ends on, whoops, <laughs> the bold ends on in the middle of a sentence so that you're guiding them to want to read more. And then you are um, not bold, but all caps. And then you can be utilizing 
all caps throughout that bullet in creative ways to make the, the best features stand out. That we call that selling on the skim. How to get someone to read your bullet points without them even realizing. Because on the internet, how many people actually read a, an entire blog post? Very few. You skim, you read the bold points, you read the headings. So we want to put in all caps. And you know, some people have had you know problems where Amazon have said, hey, you shouldn't do that. But most people don't have those problems. Most people can get away with you know, all caps in different places throughout their bullets. So I will, I will put all caps on the features and the benefits that I want people to know about, especially using my competitors' negative reviews on, against them. So it's like all caps at first and then the rest in lowercase or regular. Some of it in, in lowercase, but throughout that, that bullet, you might have a couple of features or a couple of, you know, some okay. language that is also in caps so that when I skim through, I'm reading the best parts of the copy. So those stand out. Okay. Yeah. I like that advice. That is good. Yeah. And um, yes. And especially when people are trying to be really strict by TOS, I get that a lot. Like, oh, I can't put that in all yeah. caps. And I'm like, well, my yeah. listing has a lot of all caps and I've been selling for a while mm -hmm. and I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we always give people, cause, cause I still have a, a copywriting agency. We always give people the, the option. We always give them two versions cause people are sensitive to, to all caps. So we want them to have, you know, to be able to make that choice for themselves. Oh, that's a smart way too. Yeah. And even looking at it both ways. Um, what mm -hmm. about putting like a cute little emoji or something in front of mm -hmm. each bullet point? I, I see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've seen that. We, we've kind of strayed away from that because it is against TOS. It tends to be, you know, frowned upon. Some people do it, but we don't, um, we don't tend to. We, you know, like I said, we've done it in the past and other people, they can do it when we provide the bullet points. We try to keep them, you know, we try to keep them around, you know, between three and 400 characters. Um, you know, ours tend to be a little bit longer than others because we are uh, communicating. We are really working on sales copy to speak to the customer. But if it's around, you know, but if it's less than 500, you still have the, the room to put those emojis in there. Yeah, that's true. It, it does go into your characters. Um, following up with my AI question. So yeah. everything is, oh, just put your listing in, re or put the competitor listing in, rephrase it, and voila, you have a new listing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because we've been, um, my team and I have been diving into this and there are ways to use AI that are very helpful, such as, you know, creating your avatar, trying to nail down your voice, trying to see if you can understand uh, a competitor's voice or, or a, a, a large company. Let's say you, you really admire a certain brand and how they speak. You could use the, the tools to help to dive into developing brand voice. But as far as doing a listing, yeah, it can be done, but we're back to, you know, good and good is not good enough. You know, you, your listing might sound good, but it's the same thing as why people said no one reads bullet points is because your listing sounds like everyone else's listing. You're not saying anything different. So why should I read any more? And 
the danger that we have with AI now is that everything's going to be good. Your foreign competitor who used to have a subpar listing is now going to have a good listing that's written in proper English. So you now even more so have to be great. You know, your listing has to be much better written now and AI, you know, I, I, the term I like to use is being AI lazy versus AI innovative. And I think that the sellers that are really going to succeed are going to be AI innovative in that they'll use it for the right things, but they'll understand that the human touch is, is also necessary. Yes, I could totally agree. And I think about that with selling in general, like being innovative with your product. It's like, you can't just find something on mm -hmm. Alibaba and put it up on Amazon. Same with AI. Right. You can't just throw a listing in and redo it. Um, talking mm -hmm. about selling, I mean, you have been selling since, since 2014. Is this the same mm -hmm. brand or have you had multiple brands? Yeah, same, same brand, the same brand. We focus more on so stocked now, but we still sell. Cause you just love selling, right? I mean, it's addicting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to the fearless sellers, the women of Amazon podcast. If you like what you're hearing, click the subscribe button. We have new content coming out all the time and you don't want to miss out. What got you into selling in 2014? It was actually, we were looking for business, my husband and I, and we have friends who did a course called the amazing selling machine. And a friend of ours who never had internet experience, she was selling $60,000 a month just from doing this course. So we decided that, well, that sounds like something that we, we could do. Let's just take this course. And we ended up taking a course and, you know, our product took off right away. And that kind of led us into this whole world of Amazon. Awesome. So you and Ari actually started it together, your husband. Yes. Yeah, we did. Oh, that's awesome. So as you've been selling for so long, what, um, mm -hmm. like what's, what's stuff that's gone really good that you're kind of proud of mm -hmm. from your selling journey? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I've always focused on the, on the, the conversions side of things. So that's always been a, a fun, a fun part for me, I think, is that I've, I've never been one of those people who's really obsessed about the PPC side of things. Like I am happy to, you know, have someone else do do that part. But the creative aspects, you know, being able to to speak to, you know, to be able to figure out what are those pain points that we can solve and how can we do it better and how can we, you know, communicate it better. Um, it's always been of interest to me to to be able to see conversions and also to see how our conversions have affected the traffic the you know the ability to to rank and to, to have kind of the upward spiral effect i think that that has been uh one of the more fun sides of the business for me it is really fun when you can see your products ranking higher and higher mm -hmm. on page one that's so exciting for me and it really makes me want to continue mm -hmm. to sell yeah um, so what about struggles? Like what, what along the way, I mean, you've to be selling from 2014 with the same brand. I mean, to me, you've stuck yeah. it out. Like you're riding the highs and lows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of changes. I think that the, the most difficult part of the business or the most uh, the, the part that 
people need to be aware of is that there are highs and lows and there's so many changes that you need to really pay attention to um, the changes in the strategies, the changes in the policies. We lived through several different review purges. I think that was, those are some of the, the toughest, the toughest times or, you know, we were vacationing in Italy and I woke up in Rome to going from thousands of reviews to a couple hundred reviews in our main no way. Product. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it was one of those things where I had to say, okay, what can we do? Luckily, we had just gone to an Amazon event where we met some some Amazon insiders. And so we had an email for someone we could send an email and make our case. And we got our, our reviews back uh, in a matter of days. And I had to be, it was one of those moments where, you know, you're in the middle of Europe and I had to say, okay, you know what? Everything's going to be fine. There's nothing we can do right now. We've done what we can do and everything's going to be fine. The reviews are going to come back. And they, they, I think in a, a day or two, a couple of days, they were back and our competitors had, had, they didn't get much, they didn't get their reviews back for probably a week or two. So it ended up wow. being, it was just an interesting experience. We've had those, we've had the times where we had a coupon code that we didn't protect that we got coupon stacked and someone, you know, ripped off our inventory right as we were getting on like a cruise ship for a mastermind. We're calling up Amazon, trying to cancel all of these orders. It's just, you have those moments where you have to drop everything. It's gut wrenching. But if you can get through those moments and um, I, <laughs> I was listening to a, one of my talks from a couple of years ago from a friend of mine and, <laughs> and asked the question, you know, what, what do you think that people need to do to actually make it in, in this business? And I had said, and I still believe it now that you have to be, you have to be willing to lose everything. And if you know that the worst thing could, that could happen is that you lose everything and you still can move forward, you're going to make it, you know? So it's, that's, that's the thing is you have to be okay with, you know, that sort of, uh, that sort of living on the edge and then become confident with the fact that you can build it, all up again, you know? Yes. It's like, like something, what is that saying? It's like confident enough to know that you can build it all back. And mm -hmm. it's something like, um, you know, like not have a big humble enough to, that you could lose it all, something like that. But it mm -hmm. is true yeah, selling like on that. Amazon. Yes. Yeah. That is really good. Uh, so then what about your inventory over the years? And obviously, mm -hmm. So Stocked was born because you were a seller and I had tons of inventory issues. So I'd love to hear what your journey with inventory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 2017, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, started looking at um, our P&L and really being frustrated with how how much we had lost in, you know, there was sales that we had lost out on. We had a product that we had overstocked and were paying continuous storage fees on. And uh, I think that year, the bestseller stocked out for a month and then again for a week. And it was under realizing that the biggest hit that we took on our finances for our business were inventory related. And then I had to get more serious about that side of the business. So that was kind of the, the impetus. 
Yeah, that's a good wake up call. And it's good to that you figured it out. But not only did you figure it out, you thought I'm going to solve this problem for all Amazon sellers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting because at first I was trying to just find a tool. And so I had the journey of searching these other tools you know, they were black boxes where you didn't know where the numbers were coming from. It's just, here's your magic number. This is the number for what you should order. And I go, well, you know, and, and back then they didn't have, I had warehouse inventory. Well, how do you say that I've got to order this much when you don't even take my warehouse inventory into account? Um, you don't take my POs into account. So there were just, there were just no good solution. I asked in masterminds as we tend to do, you ask the community, And my friends kept telling me, everyone I asked, you know, we've tried all the software, nothing works right, we're back to spreadsheets. And that was when I said, you know, no one's solving this problem, someone's going to solve this problem. And I think this would be a fun thing to do. I know what I would do. I have no experience with it. I have no experience coding, I have no experience with, you know, SaaS, but I'm just gonna have to meet someone to partner with. And that's kind of, you know, exactly what happened. That is really cool. I love that. And a a lot of people who have SaaS programs for Amazon were Amazon sellers. And it just shows the staying power all of us have and the passionate love we have for selling on Amazon because it's like, I'm not going to quit selling. I'm going to solve people's problems. So thank you for making Mm -hmm. this awesome tool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, that's one of the things that's great about this community and about um, the people within the community is it's, I have done, uh, multi-level marketing in the past and there was aspects that I just completely hated about it. But the, the things I really liked about it were, was the team aspect that you are working together. And that feels like similar to what we experience here in that we're all going through these same experiences. We're growing our own businesses yet we are helping each other. You know, you have people who are so willing to help each other and that they're passionate about it, which is I really gravitated towards helping people is, you know, the most fun that I have in the industry. Yes. And inventory struggles. I mean, everybody listening has heard me mention that those are some of the biggest issues I had selling. And I ran out of inventory Mm -hmm. at least five times in one year, everybody. I'm talking one year. And I didn't use a management tool. But if you think about it, that probably cost my business like $75,000 for being out of inventory. So tell me about So Stocked. And obviously, you use your own tool for your business. So how has Mm -hmm. it helped you? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, really understanding, you know, when you're supposed to order one of the biggest problems that we had was something I call order procrastination. You've got so many things going on. You've got so many aspects of your business that you're, that you're working in, you know, plus we were doing mentoring and doing podcasts for my, you know, copywriting and speaking on stages and all of these things, you know, not to mention family and church and everything that you put things off because you have to really take a look. You have to sit down because you're, the, the, the largest purchases that you make are inventory purchases. You have to sit down and really take the time to figure out, is this enough? Is this not enough? 
how much do I do I order? You know, where's the cash coming from? Do I have enough to fund my, you know, Q4 order? All of these things that you have to go through tend to lead to order procrastination. Then all of a sudden you realize, okay, it's too late. Now I have to airship a bunch of stuff. Now it's costing me a lot of money. Oh, now we're running out of stock. The supplier said that it was going to take 60 days and it's taken 75 days and we've cut it too close. And all of these different things that um, when you have systems in place like, you know, buffer stock and alert systems and being able to play out the scenarios and uh, work with real data and make tweaks and what I call forecast modeling, being able to look at not just past data, but what your marketing plans are, how your marketing plans affect things, what the worst case scenario, what's the best case scenario, and what gambles are you willing to take? Because really inventory is always going to be to some extent an informed, uh, educated guess. You just nailed it exactly what would have solved my problems. So just like hearing that, I would replay that and listen to it. But that was very well said. And inventory makes or breaks your company as a seller. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we've touched on, um, not on the podcast, but just like in your and my conversation is margins. And I, I love to talk about margins, but let's talk about mm -hmm. For, for inventory, improving the margin per unit shipped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite topics now because the problem that I was trying to solve originally was, you know, m my margins and how much money I was making versus how much I was keeping and cash flow and inventory was the biggest piece, but I was always trying to solve the profit side of my business with um, the impetus of so stocked. There are obviously stockouts is a, a big pain point. People experience, okay, we've, we've lost revenue. We have to re-rank. We may have to do air shipments. All of those things affect profit. The, the part that people don't consider is the ads that you, that you paid for or the coupon codes or all of the discounts I, that led into the stockout. So, I actually, there was a, an eight figure seller I was working with on the copywriting side, you know, we were doing some email sequences for mother's day. And then I reached back out on father's day. They had done 20% off coupons and did this promotion. And then by father's day, I reached out again and said, Hey, you're going to do a father's day sale. Right. And they said, no, we're canceling all of our lightning deals. We're running out of stock. They had given 20% off on inventory that if they just didn't do that sale because they didn't have enough inventory, they would have had full price sales. So that's the aspects that people don't tend to think about from the stock out perspective. Yeah. And I think that's really good advice. I am not a huge fan of mm -hmm. coupons or discounting, except when you're, you're at a launch, right? And you need to get product mm -hmm. reviews and you're doing it for a specific ROI, but I don't. Yeah jump on the bandwagon like, hey, it's Memorial Day, I'm going to do a sale. Now, mm -hmm. if I need to really move a product and there's a strategy behind it, sure, but not like, hey, it's Mother's Day, I'm going to give 20% off because mm -hmm. um, I'm a mom and I like other moms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you brought up, you know, the strategy side of things. That's the other, the other portion of the business that I feel like is not 
is not dwelled on enough is I talk about, I call it inventory minded marketing and it's getting your marketing and your inventory teams sunk up and coordinated. I've been trying to, the, the message that I like to give to people is that the inventory team, they've been very reactive. They're always trying to stay in stock and not over order, but tend to be a, a passive reactive role. And marketing has been very revenue focused. So giving the perspective of that both teams, when they work together, they should be prof profit and cash flow focused because cash flow and profit leads to scaling and everyone wants to scale, but no, not very many people have the, the uh, conversations about inventory and, um, you know, and sell through, which is what will lead to scalability. So that's the, the, the subject that I always bring up is inventory should be telling you when you should be doing those dis discount sales. If I have inventory that I'm sitting on and I'm about to be charged, you know, $3,000 in aged inventory fees, well, maybe on Prime Day, you know, we're Prime Day right now, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but Prime Day is coming up um, as of today, this this date, I should look at what are we, I'm going to take aged inventory fees on. And if I can move those before the 15th on Prime Day, every 15th, you're going to be charged fees. So if you know which fees are going, which ASINs are going to be charged, that's when you do the discounts. Yes, that makes perfect sense. And especially if you overordered on a specific product, then you can focus yeah. on that for Prime Day. Mm -hmm. And when I was working in the corporate world and I learned this, you know, at somebody else's office and on somebody else's money, but mm -hmm. somebody, um, it was, it, it was like marketing and inventory person decided to overorder by like, I'm talking like 5,000 extra units mm -hmm. because wow. yeah. we were doing, and I was running marketing and sales at the time, but we were going to do a Groupon. Remember Groupon? Yep. Mm -hmm. So we were going to do a Groupon and they completely overordered because they thought the Groupon was going to blow it out of the park. So on one mm -hmm. hand, it was great that they were forecasting, but they didn't ask the right questions mm -hmm. like how does the group yeah. on work does it all go at once or does it trickle out well it turned out it trickled out mm -hmm. over like a five-month period so unfortunately oh, wow. yeah in the corporate world you get fired for that so i'll never forget when the person lost their job over wow mismanagement mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's the you know as you you work on that side of things we're all used to working with you know in our own businesses but there are people who do manage Amazon accounts and that's the other risk that they take on, you know? It is. Yeah. Um, I do say if you are working at a corporate company and you're running their Amazon accounts, it's awesome to learn on somebody else's account. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, um, yeah, that was my first introduction to Amazon. I was working for an art company and I got to uh, manage the, the art sales on Amazon. So I was uh, doing yeah. the flat flat files and all all that fun stuff, but I learned about selling a little bit. Yeah, some of the smartest people, you know, start out like that. There's been sellers that you know, some people did what I did and did a course or learned on their own, and some people were, you know, fortunate enough to be able to to become managers within a business and see how you know that whole side of things work, and you know, now they can, you know, provide that those aspects of. Uh, 
you know, education, I think, to the to the space. Yes, exactly. And I did end up, you know, I did AMZ Insider. So I, that's how mm-hmm. I learned to sell. But it was like a, cool. the intro yeah. to selling was uh-huh. super cool. So anybody listening, if you're even like thinking about selling on Amazon or you've had exposure to it, you really should explore it because it is still a phenomenal time to start selling, especially with all these yeah. awesome tips that Chelsea is spilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, while you've been going through this journey, right, you have the copywriting, you have been selling since 2014 with your husband, and now you have So Stocked, and So Stocked was acquired, and all of yeah. this was with your husband, Ari, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I started, <laughs> there was one There was one time period, I mean, we've always worked together, but uh, there was one time period where I was, you know, very focused on so stocked where, you know, Ari was, it was running the other side, the other business. And so we were not, I guess, not working together as intensively. And, um, I did, (laughs) we, we've always gotten along great. Uh, you know, we don't fight. We have a really great relationship and we've worked together successfully for almost 10 years now. There was one period of time where I said, okay, now is the time for you to step in to SoStock. We're starting to expand. We're getting to that point. I need, I was doing all of the onboarding calls. So every, I, I would, I talked for the year, a year and a half, I spoke to and onboarded every single person into SoStock, which was extremely valuable. You know, we have people who are helping us out. Um, we have sellers who've been around since the beginning and sellers who have sent us their spreadsheets and said, this is what I like about it. This is what I don't. This is, you know, sent us snapshots and ideas and been beta testers. So that was very instrumental. But at some point you can't scale it, you know, and I said, Ari, we need you to come in and help us out with some of this. And he was resistive. (laughs) So, you know, what's why? And he said, you're kind of mean. And I guess, you know, you don't have the patience sometimes for your own spouse. So um, I wanted him to be like right there with me. And it's, you know, the software is, there's a lot of moving parts to an inventory, you know, machine. And so I had to, you know, assure him, okay, well, I'll be patient. You know, my business partner will be the one who's mostly, you know, your boss. But that's like the only time that I think that we had um, friction at all was <laughs> my expectations are always here that I think that people should be like right there with me, you know? Yes. You're like, Hey, we're doing this. I need you right now. Jump in. And he's like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I have to learn, you know, how does this work? And, you know, that's like, but it's great because he works with our, our customer success team and he's a much better trainer. He always breaks it down. Like explain it to me. Like I, know nothing explain it to me like i'm stupid like i'm a kid and so that's why he's really great especially you know at training our team at providing you know solutions on the support tickets and working directly with people um because he has that that patience and that ability to see we need to make sure that it's not over people's heads you know yes that's a good Good way to put it. It's you have to break it down so people can understand and utilize the tool to grow their business. And mm-hmm. yeah, 
if it if it's a new thing, I mean, I want to know too. Like, I want it explained to me really simple, also. So I like that you're mm-hmm. implementing that into your software. Yeah. And so you did so stocked in what year did that start? So we started, I met my partner, Dan, in, I think, March of 2018. We started building So Stocked, and uh, we launched it in July of 2019. So that, it went live to 25 people. We we opened up, we said, hey, guys, you know, go on this journey with us. We, we didn't, we didn't do a free trial. We, we did, you know, $37 a month for life. Help us build the tool that, that you would want to build. And you'll get, you know, you'll get this discount for life. And so we still have people who are paying $37 a month who were there from the beginning, who have seen us, you know, through that entire process and what we've been able to create. And there's still some of our best, um, our best users. They're still, you know, giving us ideas and, they we started on that journey we launched in 2019 by the end uh july of 2019 and by the end of 2019 we had ripped out the entire forecasting algorithm and built it back from scratch based on the feedback that we got from that small uh group so it was one of those gut punch moments where you realize like the thing that you've been building for over a year you've gotten it wrong and it's kind of a a make or break situation wow and you'd put so much love and sweat and money into it that you're like, let's just Mm -hmm. get the algorithm right. Yeah. And it actually was, you know, that was when, you know, I had someone who had said, you know, Hey, I really like what you're trying to do, but I'm going to go back to my spreadsheets. So I got his spreadsheets. I said, get get on a call with me. Let's walk through it. What works, what doesn't reached out to some of the other guys said, Hey, can you guys give me your spreadsheets? What are we getting right? What are we getting wrong? And then we're able to turn around the algorithm in about a month or month and a half, reach back out and and it started working. And that was when the floodgates opened. We had a couple of different groups who um, who learned about SoStock that caught fire within those groups. It just took off uh, beginning of 2020. We started seeing a flood of people coming in. And then of course COVID happened and the game completely changed from a conversation no one really cared to have to everyone was obsessed with inventory and supply chain. So that was a definite shift in our business. Yeah, I was selling through 2021. And that was a very rough year for supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So really you launched in and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 2019 to mm-hmm. I guess, when did carbon six acquire you? We were acquired about a year ago. So uh, June of 2022, we started having conversations in November of 21, though. That's really impressive. So you built this and then Carbon 6 comes along and is mm-hmm. impressed. And obviously your sales velocity was on the up and up and up. So mm-hmm. they looked and decided to become a strategic partner and, and basically purchase so stocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We were working on uh, fundraising. So the first conversations that we were having was, you know, the idea that they were going to be leading our fundraising round. And the more we, we got into it, it made sense to, 
to just be acquired, but it was a decision that had a lot to do with the people because I was not interested. We weren't going to a, a, you know, venture capital to raise money. We were going to the community because we wanted to be able to keep the path that we had laid out, which had a lot to do with profit and a lot to do with some of the other things that were, you know, launching and helping sellers. And we didn't want to keep be stopped with that. And so that was a lot of the conversations that I had with the executives at Carbon Six and Justin Cobb, the CEO, and um, you know, who were their advisors was the first question that I asked them. And they had a lot of the right people, you know, Tim Jordan and Casey Goss and Vanessa Hung. And it really was more about where we could go with carbon six than it was about, you know, getting, you know, acquired and getting a paycheck. Yes. It, well, the passion for Amazon sellers and building up the Amazon community is yeah. definitely in your heart. And I see that with carbon six and everybody that I know there. Yeah. And um, Justin's actually a guest on the podcast as well. So I don't know whose episode is going to air first. Otherwise, I would tell everybody (laughs) right now. Yeah. But wonderful. Well, huge congratulations on that partnership with them. That's really impressive. Before we say goodbye, is there anything else that you would like to share with me and our listeners? Um, I guess I have like certain things that that we could provide like tools. We hadn't talked, you know, as in depth about um, the idea of recovering cash through resizing products and um, through, you know, adjusting your containers and your pallets. So that's something that we've been doing a lot of, of how to look at what Amazon's charging you and your fulfillment fees and see if there are ways to adjust into lower size tiers. So that's uh, one of the tools that we, that we created a free tool uh, our FBA size tiers uh, optimizer, which uh, which we can we can share the link in the show notes. If uh, yes, let's share the link in the show notes, and we also do some quick fifteen minute episodes. Maybe we'll do a quick fifteen minutes on that. So everybody listening, oh cool, yeah, we'll do because that is a really that's almost like a full podcast on its own. So we'll do a fifteen mm-hmm. minutes of fearless on that topic, and we'll awesome. have that drop. Um, either with this or a week or two after this. So everybody listening, keep an ear out for that because that's very helpful. You are just a wealth of knowledge, mm-hmm. Chelsea. It is so wonderful to have you on this podcast and to have you leading in the Amazon community. I'm not going to fully call out that you're a woman, but it is awesome to celebrate <laughs> women, successful yeah. sellers on this podcast. So once again, congratulations and thank you. And until next time, stay fearless. If you're already selling on Amazon or you're looking to get started and you want my help, go to amzfearless.com to book a free strategy selling session. We can see if we can help you out. That's amzfearless.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time. Stay fearless.